Welcome to Hometown Conversations. My name is Roman. And I'm Jill. For those of you joining us for the first time, we started this podcast with the idea that within each community, there are hundreds of stories that go untold. Our hope is that with this podcast is that we can help bring some of those stories to light. Guests will range from people all around our hometown of Hutchinson, Minnesota to surrounding communities. So a couple of weeks ago, we released our first episode and the response was overwhelmingly positive. We're so thankful for everyone who listened to the podcast and reached out with words of encouragement. Initially, we were going to record one show a month, but we've changed that slightly now. We had so much fun recording the first one that we now plan to release an episode every other week. We'll alternate having guests on the show every other episode, and then on those opposite recordings, it'll more than likely be just just Jill and I. So again, thank you for listening, and we are so glad to have you along for the journey. Jill. We're really excited today to introduce our very first guest to Hometown Conversations, Valerie Mockentoon. Valerie is a resident of Hutchinson and wears many hats in town. Her and her husband are busy raising two young children. She's a business owner, and she has spent countless hours volunteering for various organizations in Hutchinson. One of those organizations is Historic Hutchinson, whose mission is to restore, preserve, and protect the living and structural history and spirit of the Hutchinson area and to showcase those assets for the future. Valerie has been a member of Historic Hutchinson for just over 10 years, and we are so excited to have her here today. Welcome, Valerie. Thank you, guys. I I have to jump in here just because (laughs) I feel like we should have been recording this for the last half hour, 45 minutes that she's been here because (laughs) you guys have known each other for a long time and it's been fun listening to you guys reminisce just a little bit and I'm like, oh, we should have been recording this. Or maybe it's okay that we didn't. I don't even remember what we've said at this point. (laughs) It might not have been appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) So we, we got to thinking. So this week we're really, you know, we're approaching Halloween and it's been an interesting year, no doubt. And as I sit around and talk with friends, many of us are reminiscing and trying to find a way to reconnect with our past and remember what it was like to be a kid. Now, one of my favorite memories of Halloween is going door to door. And I know we talked about this the other day, but you know, when we were little kids and we had those plastic masks and stuff and they had the little like rectangle slits to breathe through and yeah. stuff like that. And they'd cut your lips. Oh, they cut, cut <laughs> oh, your yeah. lips. They'd be super chapped, all that kind of stuff. It was terrible. But I remember doing that as a kid, and I, I grew up for a little bit in Waseca, Minnesota, and then I moved to Redwood Falls, of course. Um, but those moments of going door-to-door with your buddies and stuff like that, that was always really fun. What was what was yours? Yeah, so when you say going door-to-door with your buddies, I think the biggest thing that stands out is that my, I, my parents play no role in my memories of actually trick-or-treating. I grew up in a really small town called Elbow Lake, and so we were just allowed to just go out into the world and trick-or-treat. But maybe my favorite memory of Halloween actually does involve my parents. My mom would we would have like a Halloween party for my friends and I and she would set the table really cool and make a big dinner and everything was like Halloween themed and it was kind of our favorite part we'd almost always have spaghetti and then my friends and I would go trick-or-treating and there was a certain time frame there maybe from like 10 to whenever we stopped trick-or-treating where like every one of us every year was a punk rocker (laughs) because it just involved a lot of hot pink and hair and makeup and that's I think that all I ever remember being is a punk rocker at a certain age so yeah what about what about you Val so my mom really was the queen of Halloween in our neighborhood it was her favorite holiday and she went all out Um, we lived in Germany my dad was in the service from when I was born until I was 10 and Germans celebrate Halloween a little differently than we do we do a lot of gore a lot of jump out and scare you kind of things while they oftentimes do haunted houses where you kind of get electrocuted 
And then that's about it. I don't know. It was weird. But growing up in Germany, my mom introduced American Halloween to a lot of German people and they would come onto the base and she would do an entire haunted tour in our basement. And so she would go all out. I mean, every year was a completely different theme. One year it was like haunted museum and there was like the moaning Lisa. And I remember one of the doors had somebody behind it and there was a painting she had painted. There was a bat like sucking on Mona Lisa's neck and blood pouring out. And like another one was a mummy painting and like arms would actually shoot out and grab you. And But yeah, she really got into it. And then she got into our costumes too. When I was in fourth grade, I was um, Lady Godiva. So I don't know if you remember, um, yes. she was naked because her husband was punishing her for something. I don't remember what it was exactly the story, but she ended up naked on horseback with bells on her toes and just her hair covering her body to kind of, you know, stick it to him. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I just heard. <laughs> like Halloween in fourth grade. No, I wasn't Mallory, naked. Mallory, <laughs> naked doesn't sound like a costume. It sounds like an absence of a costume, and like your mom was kind of calling it in. Yep. So I had on like a um, like under what is it thermal nude? Yeah. Because uh, it's Minnesota too, so it's freezing. By then we had moved um, moved here, and then I had on a long blonde wig, and then the bells on my toes. So, but nobody knew who I was, and I'm like trying to explain this to other ten year olds. <laughs> You're so cultured. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of funny, you guys, you, you mentioned uh, visiting haunted houses or how haunted houses, you know, kind of were a thing, right? And I remember, um, I've talked about this, you know, I had a friend uh, come up uh, from my days working in TV news back in the day, um, this summer, and we were talking about, he used to put together haunted houses um, in his parents' uh, barn. And it was for all like the foreign exchange kids and all that kind of stuff. And it was super fun to go to. And I got to participate a couple of times and that was fun. But I remember going to all of like the JC haunted houses over the years. Wasika did some. Uh, Hutchinson used to do them back in the day. Uh, those were super. Uh, but I've recently come to learn about the possibility of like real haunted house here, right here in Hutchinson. And Val, you might have a little bit more of like info about that. And as we were talking here earlier too, you mentioned like a whole bunch of other things that your role with Historic Hutches kind of helped do that over the years. And you were talking uh, prior to coming on just now about last year. Yeah. So talk about through some of that stuff for us. Last year was the 20th anniversary of Historic Hutchinson. So we were looking to create some new experiences in addition to our typical fundraisers, which are the Living History Tour, um, which if you've never been, it highlights residents of Hutchinson's past that have passed away and we tell their story by actors standing in front of their graves at Oakland Cemetery and coming out and basically giving a 20-minute narrated tour of their life. Um, So last year, we decided to add on a few more of those experiences, one of which was Haunted Hutchinson. So we did it in October, and we rented one of those people movers from the Orange Spectacular, and so everyone was out in open air, and we toured around. And so in addition to visiting the Harrington Merrill House, um, we visited the fire station, where Gary Forcier dressed up as... um, someone from the 50s and the alleged ghost there that opens and closes the doors. We stopped at 101 Park Place and Mary Christensen portrayed Lydia, the ghost there that is said to turn the lights on and off. She kind of messes with the elevator, I guess, and she wears a long blue dress. Um, She was reported to have had a heart attack in the basement. But yeah, I think a lot of people, when they think of like what might be haunted in Hutchinson, they first think of the Harrington Merrill House. So... That was the one of the first pieces of history that I learned about when I moved to Hutchinson. I was walking home one night with some friends and it was pointed out to me like, oh, this place is haunted. So it was one of the first like nuggets of history that I got about Hutchinson, but I don't really know the story. Yep. 
we had, we had an office in 101 Park Place for a while. Oh. And working there late at night was a trip because we had heard about this somewhat. You know, yeah. there was like, oh, there's a ghost here. And we're like, yeah, right, whatever. And then uh, you work there and you're there at, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning and you know, lights randomly shut off on you or, you know, yeah, the elevator stops working. And I'm, I was always a little nervous. I'm like, you know, I'll take the stairs. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that's what I've heard from everyone there. They're like, you can just feel this presence. Um, so, yeah, I want to read you this because I think it's really funny. So when we first started the historic Hutchinson haunted tour, I Googled <laughs> haunted homes in Hutchinson <laughs> to see what was out there. And so this is what it says when you Google it. It says built around 1820. The house is said to be haunted by a Native American Sioux named Little Crow and his son, who were both shot by a farmer while spending the night in the house. Some reports say that the son was not killed. Okay, so none of none of that's accurate. I mean, the dates, I, everything about that is completely wrong. So, but it's on Google. It's now. on Google. Okay, you're, yeah, I know. And so people really <laughs> think it's real. And so we get contacted as historic Hutchinson by different people and paranormal groups that want to go into the space. And so we've allowed two to come in. And while none of them have ever sensed a presence in the house. One of them sensed a presence in the carriage house. Okay. So when you're looking at the building to the left, we restore the carriage house now. Right. Several of the historic Hutchinson members have felt a presence as well. And I would say that some of our members are very in tune to those sorts of things. And so no doubt in their minds that something is there, but a malicious ghost, no. You know, what mm-hmm. What you want it to be, a really scary situation, that's not really the situation um, we're saying there. Um so if you don't know a lot about the Harrington Merrill House, it's the oldest wood frame structure in Hutchinson and one of the oldest in McLeod County. So it was completed in 1858 by one of our founders, Hutchinson's founders, Lewis Harrington. And during the stockade, it was rumored that all of the other buildings in Hutchinson were burned to the ground except for that. And the rumor part being that Chief Little Crow kept that home as his residence. This has never been substantiated. We've never been able to prove this. So, you know, that's just all a story that we've heard. Um, but yeah, like I said, many people have had that feeling and it's manifested as giving them like intense shivers or feeling like somebody was nearby watching them. So interesting. So yeah. I think it's funny too, because like, I think when, when we're told something like that too, like, we're, we already have our heightened senses up already because, ooh, this is something that's there. And we don't know whether it is or not, but it's always kind of fun to hear those stories a little bit too. And, you know. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, Val, you were talking about before we hit the record button was an incident that happened a long time ago where Carly's shoes is now. Yes, and so yeah. while maybe not reported as haunted per se, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So for those of you that have heard the story, um, Carly's shoe, Carly's shoes on Main Street. Um, so Laura Miller shot and killed Gordon Jones in an office above Gord, or excuse me, Carly's shoes on January 30th in 1950. So basically Jones was a married attorney. Um, occasionally he would have a business trip into Minneapolis and on one of those trips, he met Laura and they didn't start dating immediately, but, um, they developed a relationship and she claimed that he had made promises of marriage, which back then, you know, I mean, that was a really big deal. If he's promising to marry her, you know. Maybe she did things that she wouldn't have normally done, you know, and that's basically what the rumor mill said. Um, But then initially she didn't know he was married. So when she found out, um, she started to get a little bit obsessive with him and he tried to break contact. So there's like stories about her obsessively. Remember when you're in middle school and you doodle somebody's name all over your notebook? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally did this. Yes. I did too. I wanted to be Mrs. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I don't have yeah, those notebooks anymore. Like, <laughs> those things get burned. Yeah. I think. So she started doing that, but then um, she started getting depressed, it said. Um, they say that she contemplated suicide on numerous occasions. So um, 
the media frenzy that surrounded all this made Miller out to be like this really sweet bookish woman corrupted by a married man. Um, she basically became like a local celebrity. Um, they did photo shoots in her jail cell. Like you remember that Chicago, Yeah, you know, yeah. Chicago. That's, that's, that's what I thought of yes. when you said photo shoots in jail. What's cell. her name? Whatever, whatever her name is. Yeah. And it just totally reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the entire duration of her jail time, um, she claimed to have blacked out during the murder and didn't remember any of it. So, um, she was eventually found not guilty and said that she died in an accidental manner during a scuffle. So when we were doing the haunted tour, we had talked to the current owner of Carly's and he said he'd never experienced anything ghostly. Um, they use the office as like a storage area. And so, yeah, they typically don't even go in there. So mm-hmm. it's not really a space that they um, go into a lot, but he still has the ashtray that was in the photo taken for the leader. And he actually has the article like hanging up in his office. So it's cool. kind of. Very cool. Yep. Well, and I think that's one of the really cool things about Hutchinson is is how much we care about holding on to our history and the things that have happened here, specifically with Historic Hutch. Um, there seems to be a lot of pride in the town, what's happened in the past and what our vision is for the future. Um, so speaking of that, what are what are some of the things that Historic Hutchinson is focused on right now? Yeah, so we have some really exciting things that maybe are not on everyone's radar right now. So St. John's Episcopal Church, if you guys are familiar with the Little White Church. Kind yes, of over. Okay. yes. So that's been one of our projects for a long time. The city technically owns it and they take care of it um, and we raise the funds to restore it. So our project right now is restoring all of the stained glass windows. So we're fortunate we had our historic Hutchinson 20th year gala last year and raised almost half of the funds. So it's just just shy of $60,000 that we needed. The stained glass windows had holes in them. They were bowed. I mean, they were in complete disrepair. So we are almost done with that project. I think we have another 15,000 left that we still need to fundraise. Obviously, COVID slowed a lot of that down for us. We used to sell popcorn in the park. Um, You know, our Living History Tour was a good fundraiser for us. And so we're working on that. And then during um, Main Street 2020 construction, the Hager jewelry clock that Mm -hmm. was on Main Street, we were able to save that by an anonymous donor paid for it. So bought the clock and we were able to take it down and dismantle it. So now we're going to work on raising funds so that we can restore it. Um, Mark, the owner of Hager, hand winds the clock. So it is hand wound clock. And he says, if people drive by and it's a minute off, they notice (laughs) and they will call him. I bet. So we're like, do we want to take that on? I mean, I don't know if I want to be responsible for the clock and getting the calls from the angry people. (laughs) So we're talking about electrifying it, which it hasn't been decided yet. um, But the group's consensus is maybe that would be a little bit better. And then the clock will go back up, but it'll have been repainted. And maybe instead of saying Hager, it might say Historic Hutchinson on top of it. But I think people now that they're getting back on Main Street are definitely going to notice that it's not there anymore. Absolutely. And I love that it's there. And then we have like the Quas sign on the side of the building there. That that was the first project Historic Hutchinson ever did. This was before I was a member. Um, but they wanted to do something highly visible that everyone would see to kind of get the word out there that they were becoming an organization. So, so yeah, cool. those would be our two big ones right now. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things I remember, like during our sesquicentennial several years ago, that's a hard word to Nicely say, by the way. Sad. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. So I remember several years ago, like Jim Fahey uh, ran, helped run tours around Hutchinson. And I, I remember thinking that was one of the most interesting things for me uh, as a relatively newcomer to Hutch. And I've lived here for several years, but like when I moved here, I was like, there's a lot of history here. And I really get excited over like 
local history, right? I, I think that it's great that a lot of our kids learn about the history of the area, not just in Hutchinson, but some of the things that happened around our area over the years. Because uh, if you don't learn from history, you don't know anything, you know, you don't know how to handle certain things when they come up. So I think history is super important. And I, that's one of the things I've really been impressed with, with historic Hutch in particular, is the amount of history that they're taking care of. Mm-hmm. It isn't just having a museum in town, and that's a whole other organization, I know. But it, that's sometimes all communities have. So to have a, an organization like that here is really important. So yeah, I think anyway. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add about Historic Hutch, various things that you guys are doing right now? <gasps> you know, those are the two big ones. You okay. know, we continue to work on the progress of the Harrington Merrill House. Um, the exterior is, you know, light years ahead of where when we started. Um, the interior is definitely another project and deciding exactly what that's going to look like. Um, you know, the possibility of having maybe an interpretive center or educational space. There is the outdoor classroom at the Harrington Merrill, yep. but, you know, continuing to work with that. And really, Historic Hutchinson has an amazing relationship with the city of Hutchinson. Without mm-hmm. the city of Hutchinson, we wouldn't be where we are today. And the support that they've given us and, you know, just, I mean, you look at like the depot and... Um, just all the things that not only just preserving spaces, but you look at the depot being the farmer's market and an event rental. It's just brought vibrancy back into that area of the community yeah, that absolutely. has the history and that's been saved because we worked on that graffiti project with the historic graffiti in the larger room in the depot, which that could be a whole nother podcast. Oh, so learning cool. all about that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, it's just a great group of people. And we were chatting before um, we started recording about your last podcast and how, you know, you start volunteering with these people for certain reasons, but really it ends up just filling up your life. And the people that founded Historic Hutchinson are all still there. They still go to all the meetings. You know, they're just an amazing group of people. And it's, it's been humbling to be a part of that because they just, they just get stuff done. You go to meetings and they're like, this is what I did and I completed it and I need no accolades. And it's just amazing. They're so dedicated. So it's been a, it's been a good group to be a part of. Very yeah. cool. So speaking of historic buildings in Hutchinson, you guys recently opened a new venue as part of your business, Compass Occasions. Uh, I believe it's called Arts Place. Um, tell us a little bit about your business in this new venue that you guys have. Yeah. There. So Compass Occasions is an event coordinating company that um, I, along with my business partner, Kayla Zaitema, have been doing for five years. And about five years ago, when we started the company, we were approached by um, local investors asking if we would be interested in maybe buying this building that they bought. And so they took us over to what was norm- formerly known as the Nemitz Paint Factory. And we walked around in it and we were like, no. <laughs> not, but thank Absolutely you. not. Thanks for thinking of us. Have a good day. So, but wanting to get inside old buildings. Like I remember, you know, being a member of Historic Hutchinson and George Quast letting me go in the opera house. And I'm just like, oh, you know, yeah, just been in, the, I've been in the opera house. house. I know. I'm super jealous. jealous. It's yeah. so amazing. And mm-hmm. just, Yeah. He also told people that the reason that I moved to Hutchinson is because he met me on Women's Release Day from the prison (laughs) and that he uh, brought me flowers and I was just really easy to butter up. So... Yeah, George, if so you're listening, I haven't forgotten about that. The house came with strings. It did. It came with strings attached. (laughs) So, yep, yep, I've never forgotten that. But... Um, no, I just totally lost my train of thought. What was I even talking about? Oh yes. Arts place. Akela. Yes. And compass occasions. (laughs) So then three years ago again, um, they really liked the idea of it being an event venue. Other people were approaching them about maybe just turning it into offices or, you know, there were other ideas on the table, none of which they like. I think they got really excited about the idea of it being a venue. Again, that idea of just taking a space preserving the history, and then refunctioning it as a needed space. And so as event planners for the last five years, we have really amazing facilities. I mean, we have the Crow River Golf Club. We have our event center. We're lucky to have the Crow River Winery. I mean, we have really great spaces. But if you need a smaller meeting space sometimes, or maybe a more affordable 
birthday party location, there just are not a lot of options. And in addition to that, I think having a space with a lot of that historical integrity, we don't, we don't, we just don't have one of those at all. So being able to renovate that space um, into, it has three separate usable spaces that can all be compartmentalized and people can come and go out of them. And so you could rent one space if that's all you need, or you can rent the entire building. And so then there's arts place. And now we're just trying to figure out how to communicate marrying arts place to Compass Occasions. So Compass Occasions now offers packages to provide an entire event experience. So if you came into arts place and you'd like to rent some place to have a party and you're really into doing all those details and you love to plan, we have an option for you. But if you want to come in and you don't want to do any of that, that all sounds overwhelming and you just want to have, you know, whether it's a wedding or a corporate retreat or whatever it is, we can take care of everything from bringing in your meals to, you know, reorganizing your space to helping you with your technology needs. If you need people to zoom in because they're, they're not ready to come back because of COVID to these meetings, we have the capability to do all that as well. So that's all evolving. We just opened in September. So we're we're slowly navigating through this new COVID world and not planning for it to ever go back to normal has been part of our process. We're planning for how to move forward in a new world. And I think the space just fits really well into that. I think that's smart of you guys. We've seen the space. It's absolutely stunning. Each room in its own way is amazing. Um, and I like the fact that you guys um, are so... Friendly to the varying needs of people during this COVID situation, and I think the the concept that that normal is just not going to go back to what it was, but we're going to create a new normal yep. going forward is yeah. a. I think that's a solid thought process. Yep. <laughs> Good, because <laughs> I mean, you got to change it every week anyway. So we're exactly. like, well, <laughs> yeah, it seems like that's been the thing Gosh, this whole yeah. time. So yep. I know we really do like the space. The space is just incredible. And, and I think it really fits well. You know, the first time when we went in there, uh, I think we went in as ambassadors first. Yep. Uh, then we went back for the grand opening and, and I kept, as we walked in, I kept thinking, Oh, we could do live music here, or oh, we could do this here. At the me- oh, there could and be a meeting here, or a party here, or music here, oh, or yeah. dancing here, or and you're right, it's the perfect size. We do have beautiful venues in Hutchinson, but not that size, not yep. that intimacy, yeah. and not that yeah. that level of history. Yep, and character. And I love the idea of you know we have all these great spaces in town, but we've been doing groom's dinners, mm. so. Maybe you have your wedding at the country club or the winery or whatever, but then you have a groom's dinner in a different space and being yeah. able to offer something that just creates this whole Hutchinson experience where you're just going to all these amazing places. Um, I love what you were saying about going into the space and how you start brainstorming. I think that's been my favorite yeah. part. People come in and we had a live band and he's like, I want to do music videos in here. I'm like, oh yes, it was David Lee from that sure. used to play Zevels yes, all the time. Absolutely. Like what an idea. Or we had a birthday party on Sunday and she, you know, they ended up doing it in shifts. And I'm like, that is so creative. So they invited the first people to the first block, the second people to the second block, were able to all socially distance, wear their masks, and still have a 75th birthday celebration. You know, so people are getting really creative more than we ever would, um, I think, in what they want the space to be. And it's so adaptable. We're like, well, let's just shut this door and move this table over here. And then you're having your whole whole experience. Because I think part of event planning for us is, you know, every detail tells a story. And there's just so many stories that we can tell in that space. Yeah. And so we were just so excited for people to start coming in and sharing their stories with us. Super cool. So if if people wanted to find more information about Arts Place and the yes. stuff that you guys do there, how do they find you? Yeah. So we have our compassoccasions.com um, website. And then that's kind of a good 
start off point um, yeah. to get a little bit more information. And then we just like to personally connect because I think every, like I said, event is so detailed. So you can just reach out to me. My contact information or Kayla's is on that webpage and we'll send you over brochures or images or whatever you would need to maybe start the conversation on what your event would look like. We're doing a lot of phone calls, so we'll just set up a phone call. Um, not as much in-person meeting right now, but um, we definitely have lots of opportunities to do appointments to tour the space too. And then we're going to do a big, we're going to rearrange all the furniture and we're doing like what your wedding would look like there. Because we try to explain it. We'd move this, we'd do that. But on November 22nd, we're going to do an open house event from 11 to 2 and stage it as an amazing wedding, an intimate wedding because cool. it, it can't go over a hundred, but yep. we're really excited for that opportunity. Awesome. That yeah, sounds That'd be very great. Great. So as those of you who are listening to the podcast may remember from our first episode, we like to talk about, or we like to kind of finish our podcast with a conversation with some random questions. So this week, each of us have chosen a card to ask and Valerie, since you're the guest, <laughs> you get to go first. Oh my gosh. Okay. So mine fits into Halloween too, with all the spookiness and whatnot. So what's your reoccurring nightmare? <laughs> mm, so I don't know if you guys have one, but I have had the same scary nightmare that makes me wake up all sweaty and stressed out since I was like five. So my favorite book was The Ice Cream Cone Coot. I don't know if you guys have read this book, but it's all about these fantastical birds. And while all of the books or birds in this book are strange and rare, you will not see them anywhere. The, you know, the cone coot and the sneet live only on these pages. And it goes on and on. I could do this. This is Hadley's, my daughter's favorite book right now, too. <laughs> but one of them was the garbage canary. And he lived in conditions quite unsanitary. And I used to be really <laughs> messy when I was little. And my room was always just kind of a disaster. And I had a dream when I was little that he, like, trashed my room. And my mom got really mad at me. And I was really, you know, like your parents that never get mad at you when they do that like I'm so disappointed in you oh, like, disappointment <laughs> oh, yeah. is so much worse than yeah. anger it's when like it comes from a parent yes. so the stupid garbage canary trashed my room in my dream and I'm like trying to convince my mom and she doesn't believe me and she's really upset with me I still have this dream it's when I'm really stressed out and I wake up and my room is like a mess and I'm looking around my room's not a mess anymore and yeah so that's still my dream do you have one, Jill? I do. So I don't I don't know that I would have ever classified it as a nightmare, but it's definitely it definitely coincides with the stress level in my life and it causes me a lot of angst and I wake up feeling very unsettled. So it's the closest thing I have to a reoccurring nightmare, but it's the exact same every single time. Like not one detail changes. I'm in a car, I'm by myself, and I pull up to a huge white home in the middle of nowhere. It's like a farm home. It's huge. I go up to the front door and it's not like a living room or a foyer or anything like that. Is it a hallway of rooms? just doors. And for whatever reason, it's okay for me to be there, even though I have no idea why. And I walk in and I open the first door and I never, I don't really remember the order of the rooms, but like the first room, let's say it's like, it's kind of a library style room. People are having brandy, cognac, cigars, whatever. They see me, they know, oh, Jill, hey, they're expecting me. I don't know what's expected of me. And so I just kind of look around and I close the door and I go to the next room and then it's like a formal and people are dressed to the nines. They are also expecting me, but I don't know what's expected of me. And I feel intense pressure because everybody, every room I go into, no matter what the theme is from casual to super like high end elegant, everyone has something that they need from me, some sort of expectation. And I have no idea what it is. And I just keep opening doors trying to kind of what feels like find my purpose. And then eventually I just get to the end of the hall and then I wake up. 
every once in a great while I have, and it's, it's far and far and few between, but every once in a while I have one of those dreams where you're, you know, you're going along and then you fall. And then it's, it's one of those where you, you know, jerk wide awake. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that like stress me out the most, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not too worried about it, uh, at the time, but boy, that, that, violently shaking awake in the middle of the night is, is something that's not exactly. <laughs> no, I think going from like rest, which is yeah. like the most relaxed we could be to like full blown, like heart rate of 120. That's yeah. jolting to that's, the system. That's jolting. <laughs> I, the only, I, I only have one dream and it's, it's, it's every once in a while it comes up, but it's, it's not necessarily a nightmare per se, but I have the same one over and over again. And I can almost picture being in the same place every time. But it comes up like once a year. Yeah. And then I wake up, you know, I remember, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to write that down. And then like an hour later, I can't remember anything about it. Oh, dreams are so weird. Yeah. Dreams are interesting. Yeah. All right. All right, Jill. What weird food combinations do you really enjoy? <laughs> Roman, I'm going to let you take that one first. Yeah. That, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm really picky when it comes to food. So, like, you could just throw, like, tomatoes in something. Into, you know, yeah, if you just said tomatoes, I'm like, that's not a combination. But for you, that's weird. Yeah, like, tomatoes on, like, anything. Especially chunky tomatoes. Hard pass. No. yeah, I, that, It's bad to start with me on that one because when it comes to, like, food combinations, it's it's pretty simplistic when it comes to food combinations nah, for me. But right. I'll just throw tomatoes in there and start there. <laughs> Val, do you like any weird food combinations? That's hard. I don't know. I feel like I'm the opposite. I like everything. Like yeah. Food is an adventure. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I enjoy different culinary experiences and I'll try everything once. Just trying to think of like a weird, because nothing's really weird to me then. Things right. are gross. Do you I have mean, foods that other people are like, really? You're doing that, huh? We went to Oyster Fest and mm-hmm. I ate over 100 oysters. Holy smokes. That's like that's my, a lot at you one time. You know when you have to say like hmm. two real things and one fake thing? That's always in there because people are like, yeah. no way. There's no way. <laughs> I've eaten 100 oysters in one sitting. So I feel like my food combination isn't that weird, but whenever I do eat it in front of people, they're alarmed. It So like buttered salted popcorn on top of vanilla ice cream. Oh. It's the salty yeah. sweet thing that isn't unusual, but yeah, <laughs> but yet when people see me eat it, they're like that that yeah. that's ridiculous. Do you like it, French fries and ice cream too? Oh yeah, we, that seems like mm-hmm. I remember people liking. I had a friend that liked that. So, yeah. yeah, you dip them right hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. It's hmm. the hot and the cold, the salty and the sweet. Yep. Um, with the popcorn and the ice cream, it's creamy and it's textured. I don't know. Yeah, we're gonna leave that alone. I'm just gonna leave <laughs> that like, okay, there. tomato. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tomato. right. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so my question is, what is your most treasured possession? <gasps> so I think, you know, when I look back at that, you know, you could easily look back and say, oh, it's electronics. You know, it, it, it really it really isn't. Mm-hmm. I have some stuff that my grandpa made for me um, years and years and years ago. And they're, you know, whether it's paintings um, that are hanging in my office at home that he painted. Um, I have his cane, that kind of stuff. Like the things that my grandpa made um, – bowls that kind of stuff you know he had Mm -hmm. wooden bowls that he would make uh he became pretty good at it those are some of the things that uh i'd be really sad if i lost those yeah they hold something personal for me yeah absolutely so oh that's hard i am the most sentimental person every single thing in my house means something to me Mm -hmm. and one of my really good friends she's like everything you have has a story i'm like i love my stuff too i just do i love my things i love this it's my grandma's or I like a lot of handmade things, so somebody made that, and then there's a whole story behind that. So I'd be really hard to pick one. Yeah. I don't know if I could pick one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I have these 
pencil Santas, my grandmother called them. She did um, um, oh, like ceramics for a while, right? Where like she did skinny. Yeah, they're really tall and skinny. And I have like four or five. They're all different heights. And she painted them. And they're cute. They're adorable. But they came from my grandma. And my grandmother and I were like a team. We were a unit. We were a force to be reckoned with, right? Um, and so she and I were incredibly close. So that's really cool. I also have a diamond necklace that my that I got when I graduated from high school. Um, my parents got divorced when I was very, very young. Um, and they've both remarried and it's all fine and lovely. But they took the ring or the diamond from the ring that my dad gave my mom when they when he proposed and put it in a necklace and told me that, you know, even though like our union together didn't work out. We are so glad that we had you and your brother and you guys are so important to us. And so those probably those two things just because I like what the what the necklace stands for and the way that my parents were able to raise me even from separate homes and then just anything from my grandma because she was cool. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all have those stories with our grandparents, I think. You know, things that we remember or times that we remember, that kind of stuff. So, well... I appreciate you, uh, Val, for joining us on this podcast. Um, it was a real pleasure having you on the show. Uh, we learned a lot. Um, we might just have you every time. That'd be fine. That's all right. <laughs> we, we might do that. That's, it sounds like no, a lot of fun. So, yeah. And we also just want to throw out a big thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate you t- tuning in. To keep up to date on future podcasts, you can follow us on our Facebook page, Hometown Conversations, and you can subscribe to our podcasts on multiple streams. We'll keep adding them to the Facebook page as we get added to more of them. So with that, thank you for joining us and we'll see you real soon.